Oh, hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 288. It is the last final podcast of 2020. We will look back, I guess, at a few things. Not really. I hate looking back. This was a bad year. Why we look back? Why just look forward? We'll look forward into 2021. Uh, and we'll do so by checking in with our West Coast correspondent, Chris Mandry, to see how life has been for him on the West Coast uh, during this holiday season. Uh, also this week, we will talk about some serious news, coronavirus updates, uh, the Nashville bombing. Uh, we'll talk about history lessons. Uh, we'll do a little bit of mailbag questions, all of this, folks, and so much more as we make it to the end of 2020. Prepare ourselves for the dawning of 2021. Oh. It's actually my least favorite time of year. Oh, I what's tell you, that? The in-between Christmas and New Year's? Terrible. Mm. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. One of the worst. It's like an extended, like, open wound. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I find... I find that New Year's Eve is easily the most overhyped, lamest, quote-unquote, holiday that you can have. Mm. You know, I've been reading lots of stuff about Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the people who are going through great lengths to see their families, you know... Mm. Wearing the mask and doing social distancing and getting sure. tested. You don't hear these stories about New Year's Eve. People are like, oh, oh we got to cancel New Year's Eve. Everyone's no, no. like, yeah, it's fine. New Year's Eve is going to be the college kids. <laughs> oh, really? That'll be where they'll be spreading it, yeah. You think I, so? I mean, yeah, probably. Didn't, I didn't care about New Year's Eve. I guess I did kind of. What? I didn't care. I care about the drinking. Yeah, it's a, it's a party. It's a night to go yeah. out and party as opposed to like stay in and eat ham with your aunt. It's true. Uh, I love eating ham with my aunts. It's great. Uh, I wish I could eat more ham with my aunts who I haven't seen. I would love to eat some ham with, eat my, some aunts. Ham with my aunts. Eat some ham Welcome back to the show. It's the Uticast, folks. Episode 288. The final episode mm-hmm. of this godforsaken 2020 year. Oh, look at that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that the... I'm aware that 2020 was terrible. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of... 2020 was terrible content to the point where you're like, yeah, I get it. I know that 2020 was terrible. You don't need to keep reminding me every second, everywhere I turn. I feel that way about almost all content. <laughs> uh, no, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the WWE had some like, some video they're playing during the last couple episodes of like a anthropomorphic I mean, 2020 getting kicked by other wrestlers. I've never seen the fellows down that way to be subtle. No. So I'm <laughs> no. not really surprised. I've seen a lot of like Christmas ornaments for like, uh, you know anti-2020 ornaments and stuff for holidays as yeah gifts. whatever man if it, if it makes people if it gives people something to unify yeah and if people can all get on the same page and be like man we all went through this together that's a positive so let them yeah it's are fine we, by me are we putting uh too much pressure on 2021 to be better we better not be <laughs> better not be uh well we figured a nice way to close out 2020 for all you folks the check-in with our good friend from the West Coast, the mm. one and only Chris Mandry. Uh, he started a new YouTube channel where he's doing some drum lessons. So I wanted to chat up with him and see how he's doing out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, always happy to talk Senior to Chris. Senior West Coast correspondent. 
senior long-term West Coast correspondent, Chris Mandry. Wow, two weeks in a row, Aaron Velarde and Chris Mandry really just pulling just checking in. them with the boys for the holidays. That's, I mean, that's really what it is. You pull back the OGs and see what's going on. Yeah, so I'm very excited to talk to uh, Mr. Mandry. He'll be on uh, a little bit later. Kev, uh, how was your... Uh, overall Christmas experience this year. I'm sure it was limited compared to normal. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I yeah. mean, it was nice. You know, I had a nice time. Like, it was... To try to compare it to other Christmases would seem a little silly, but, you know, yeah. it was nice. I had some good food. I spent some nice time with, you know, the people I care about the most. Mm. Missed a lot of people. Uh, tons yeah, of people sure. didn't get to see this year. You know, all yeah. the different family that you couldn't see. Uh, it was the first year ever since well before I was born that we didn't have the big Christmas Eve party with oh, my yeah. entire family on my mom's side. So... That was very disorienting. It, it didn't feel like Christmas Eve without doing that, because I've literally done it for every year. You know what I mean? Yeah, Christmas Eve at my cousin Dean and Tara's is a very constant, mm-hmm. long time, many years event yeah, yeah. going all the so way back. So that stuff was strange, yeah. but like I still had a good... I mean, it didn't really you know, get me down or anything. I still had a no. nice time. Yeah. I still enjoyed the holiday. Yeah, I did the best I could. I got some good gifts. I got a new... <clears throat> Quilted vest, which I'm wearing everywhere. Yeah. Got yourself a vest. I mean, something. I said to myself, I want to look like the guy who takes the sodas off the back of the truck and then puts them on the cart to bring them into the store. Or the beers. I want to be that guy for this year. I'm just going to wear, like, uh, heavy gloves and, like, a big sweater and a, and a quilted vest and maybe a hat that covers my ears. That's my new look. That's not what those guys wear. This is my look for this year. This is the look, <laughs> is the look I've chosen. That jacket is not, uh, that's not a manual labor wearer's jacket. What I need, the like, vest, a, any more Carhartt style. The vest is quilted. That's like, uh, yeah, you get yourself a... A quilted vest. I thought it looked good. Anyway, it's I'm into nice it. It's a nice vest. I like it. It's my new look for this year. If you guys want to vote on my... Actually, I should do for this year. I'm going to put out a whole bunch of looks for you people. And you can vote on what my 2021 look should be. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> because that would just be like a, a self-reinforcing feedback loop for the people who give the most feedback. You'd end up just getting dressed by like three guys on Twitter every day. It would be hilarious. <laughs> be Dano, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why don't you uh, have, yourself a little, have yourself a little resolution. And the, the, my, big, my biggest Christmas disappointment this year mm. was I attempted, uh, in conjunction with uh, the part of my family that I could see, to make the stuffed calamad. Now, for all you Italians out there, uh, you know, we, we don't do the full feast of the seven fishes because I, you know, even in a good year, I don't eat seven different kinds of fish on sure. Christmas Eve. I'm not a madman. It's a lot of fish. But we always do stuffed calamad. And I've seen it done a million times. You know what I mean? Right. My grandmother's passed away last year. His grandfather passed away. Family's getting older. So he, tra- he passed down these, uh, these skills. And I thought we were doing a great job. Oh. And let me tell you... We did not. It's funny because, you know, now that you say that, I remember you talking about how you were going up to your mother's house to make to make this dish. Yep. And you were talking about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go up and do it. I think it came out good, or I'll bring some back. Then I never heard a word about it again until just right now. Never said So it I didn't never... go well, huh? Number one, I planned on bringing some back so you could try it. Right. There. Number one, there wasn't any left. Oh, sure. That doesn't mean that it was good, though. Okay. So what happened? I would say, all right, so the com- to get real deep in here, the combination we were using was the hoods of the calamon. We would stuff it with uh, Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, and egg and oil. Like a combination, that's yeah, sort of yeah. what you fill it with. And then you tie it off with a uh, with a toothpick, and you cook it in the sauce. And as it cooks in the sauce, the hooded calamon shrinks and gets a little tighter yeah. around the, the interior st- stuffing. It gets nice, delicious. I think what happened is that we used too many eggs. Mm. And what we ended up with is... Almost like a 
like an egg concoction, like a like I don't know. Oh, it okay. felt like uh, I don't want to call it like a paella sort of vibe to it I in the see. inside, but it didn't have the texture I was looking for in the inside. Mm. My sister claims that it was because we used panko breadcrumbs instead of the old standard Italian breadcrumbs. Oh yeah, that'll do it. So I think it could have been a combination of a couple yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't any left. It was gone. But me and my sister were really... Yeah, what a disappointment. We were just you like, really, really big up for that squid. I was so mad. Big up for the squid. So my biggest disappointment uh, of the holidays. Yeah, definitely missing um, missing some of the holiday food this year, definitely. Like, going to places and, like, having sit down for the big meal. Like, I cooked Christmas dinner. I was just a small one. Made, like, some nice ribeyes, you know what I mean? Mm. Roasted some potatoes that came out great, that kind of stuff. But missing just, like, going to somebody else's house who's been cooking and slaving all day and there's all kinds of food. Uh, there was so much food that we went through. You know, we did the Beef Wellington, which was our big Christmas... Oh, nice. Our big, that was our big Christmas Eve meal, the Beef Wellington. That was also good, but you know, I like raw, I like, not raw meat, but rare meat, don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those people who's like, please cook my steak until it's shoe leather. Sure. Right? But you ever get a steak that's so rare sometimes, you're like, oh man, this is, I don't know if I should, I don't want to... It's a beautiful cut of meat, so I don't want to go back and like cook it a little more because it feels disrespectful. Uh. This feels like it's barely cooked. I feel like I'm eating a raw steak. <laughs> yeah, it was delicious, but I was like, man, this yeah. is so red in the inside. Well, that's when it's when it's a Wellington or a prime rib. Uh, it will be even if it's well done, it'll still be bright pink on the inside because oh, yeah. it stews and seals the juices in the color. When you do uh, a larger roast of a cut of beef like that, yeah. The color isn't indicative of the doneness. I used to work at a restaurant and we did uh, prime rib, and that's the only reason I know that. Well, I was going to say, it wasn't like I ate it and was like, oh, I feel sick afterwards. It was delicious. Well, plus, because but... you can eat raw steak. You're not yeah. going to feel sick from, like, a, even a blue rare steak. It's not going to make you feel sick. Yeah. You pound it flat. Guts like might be moving a little slow, but other than that. You can get a flat carpaccio style. Uh, all right, so what else did I have? Um, so this week, I mentioned we were going to have uh, somebody on the do the Tenny Brindisi uh, race, which at the moment... The most recent thing I've heard is that our boy Tony, uh, Congressman Tony Brindisi, Anthony Brindisi, is up 14 votes uh. at the most recent thing I heard, which was earlier today. Now, by the time you hear this pod, that might have changed. It's predicted to change a bunch of times in the next week and a half, two weeks or so. So we've held off on the reporter, uh, who will be coming on to chat up with me in a few weeks about this. We're just going to wait, because it seems... Nothing to talk about. Nothing to talk about, yeah. Uh, and then the other last thing I wanted to say before we get into the news of the week. This is that time of year when you see on almost every website, every news source you see is doing their, like, top blanks of 2020. Yeah. Top movies, top TV shows, sure, top sure, books, sure. blah, blah, blah. I tried really hard to stay away from doing any of these with you guys this year. I find them to be tough reads and tough hangs in general, like the top such and such of 2020. Uh. I did find one interesting one that we'll go over that I thought was kind of clever, and we'll discuss it later on. Okay. But I feel like it's lazy content, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, la- obvious and lazy, I guess, are probably uh, two different things. Right. It's obvious. It's the end of the year, but, like, uh, people are, it's the time to wrap up if you're going to do any kind of a wrap up or habits yeah. type of thing like that. So I get why somebody does it. No, a top ten list is probably never going to blow my doors off, but, you mm. know. It's it definitely what I find when I see top ten lists or top twenty lists or whatever of the year. It always is a handy little like checklist for me to double back on things that I probably missed. Because if I look at like a you know top twenty albums of the year list, there's probably nowadays a good fifteen of those I didn't really listen to or check out. So stuff I can kind of double back on and throw in like a playlist or see. Same thing with movies. So speaking of which, this week's um, this week's 
mixtape, whatever, UDCast mixtape, will be just a mix of uh, the stuff that was on our personal Spotify 2020 best of list that they sent us earlier this year. Oh, okay. So I picked mine already. Uh, but that's as close as I think I'll do to any sort of, like, top ten list. It's just, mm. here's other songs you may have heard earlier in the year yeah. from us. Uh, and then I'll have the one later on that we'll talk about that's kind of interesting. But cool. let's get into the serious news of the week. And I have to say, this is probably the most serious thing we'll talk about this week. Uh, the Nashville bombing that happened. Was it Christmas morning that it happened? Yeah. God. I was like... It feels weird because Christmas morning it happened. I started watching the news as like we were like getting ready to open up presents with my mom and sister, and like right. turned the TV off because I was like, I don't want my mom to be like, you know what I mean, like getting all upset watching yeah, TV or getting. But man, this really this was such a downer when I, I saw it on Christmas morning. Uh, as of right now, investigators are looking at any and all possible motives in the Nashville explosion. After identifying the bomber as Anthony Quinn Warner, who's a 36-year-old man described as a loner who was found dead in the RV that exploded on Christmas morning. Uh, Blast injured at least eight people and damaged more than 80 buildings, including the AT&T transmission facility that provides wireless service to much of the region. Uh, I read, you know, a lot about this, and I think the scary part is before the... They're saying, uh, I think it was Anderson Cooper, too, I watched it. They're saying before the explosion, residents were saying they heard gunshots, uh, and there was some sort of, like automated voice coming out of the RV that was counting down, telling people when the explosion was going to happen. And it was also broadcasting the Petula Clark song, Downtown, which seems really, like, ominous and gross. Um, as Whenever usually something happens like this, some, like, terrible moment, I don't usually have any context to add other than I just... The images really haunted me, like, that morning, sort of watching it and coming back and mm. look at all the... Uh, all the reporting and all the, the images, all the businesses and all the fires and stuff. And I don't know, it always hits me in a really hard way. And it really bothered me that it was Christmas morning. I don't know why it would bother me more than normal, but... Because well, it's, it's Christmas. Yeah, but I think... What do you mean? Because if it happened on any other day, it would still just be as terrible. Maybe just the no, the irony of it. absolutely not. No. Yeah. I don't think so. No? Okay. Not really. I mean, it's not... This is luckily... I mean, here's, here's what you can say about it. You know, luckily... There was, you know, the, they picked, the the guy who did it picked the slowest time that it could be and mm-hmm. did it at a time for maximum impact on what looks like it was his intended target, you know, with the, with the motives, the stuff they've found, you know, since they keep digging into this guy. Um, but it could have been a lot worse and it really, you know, it is, it's scary to think about how much worse it could be yeah. and how relatively easy it seemed for this guy who... Make no mistake about it, like, I, you know, I understand that he's a white guy, so they don't call him uh, a suicide bomber, mm. but it really goes to show what, you know, how easy it would be for a suicide bomber to do some really gross shit out there. That's yeah. what's ominous to me about it. I think it's this sort of, uh, the illusion of safety, right? Like, I always think about it when I think, I think airplanes is something I think about all the time, right? Uh. Like, the illusion that, like, you know where all airplanes are at all times when they go up into the sky, right? Mm. Because that's what airplanes do, they're like, you know, but... In reality, when the airplane goes up and it's supposed to come back down, you don't really know what goes. Like, we think we're safer than we are all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You don't always think that any RV you see coming down the street is going to have a bomb in it. But it might, and you couldn't, you wouldn't really know, right? Just how scary... Well, and that's because that's not, like, uh, that's not really a healthy or productive mindset to mm-hmm. walk around all day and, right. and see suspicion around every corner. You know what I mean? That's where you start talking about things like bravery and courage. And, you know, I think it takes bravery and courage sometimes... To stand up and face some of the darker and more abjectly horrific parts of, you know, life and be alive in human, you know, the human condition. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, really dark stuff. And, uh, you know, this story is still going to be a lot of stuff coming out about it. FBI agent Doug 
Korneski said in, uh, interv investigators are interviewing people who knew him to try and learn about motives. Uh, there's no indication that anyone else was involved. Uh, FBI agent is quoted as saying the answers won't come quickly, but we may be able to answer some of these questions. None of these answers will ever be enough for those affected by this event. Well, I think that's a really that's a really important point uh, to be made about it too. Is because you sit here, right, and we talk about this, and we say everything that happened, and it's like, ah, I don't really know what to say. I don't really have context. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what to do about this. When something like this happens, everybody's searching for, for answers to, they're not even really sure what the questions are, but need more data, like just mm -hmm. reaching out for, I need information, I need answers and stuff like that, because we want to organize this and understand it and put it in a box. And some stuff like this sort of defies the ability yeah. to get any answers that would be satisfactory or that would make anybody feel any better at any point. Well, what makes me upset is this feels like something that very easily is going to become like... We're gonna to wait to see who he voted for before we make a decision. Like the public image, like people are gonna want this to be whoever the opposite is. Like Trump people are gonna want this to be like a, a Democrat who did this, right? When in reality, it doesn't. Whoever this person sure, is, I mean, was a sick. Sure, probably loudmouths on Twitter. But I mean, if we will see who the person is, and if the person is who they are, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't they matter. They will be who they are. Yeah. You know, so, whatever they did, it doesn't justify anything, right? Like, if I hope this, I this think, is. I don't think anybody's talking about justification. Yeah, no, no, I know, way. but like, I, I think there's this impression sometimes, like, oh, if it's like a liberal, you would defend this. No, I wouldn't. This is a no. horrible thing. That's that's, no matter that's, who that's, that's disingenuous, bad yeah. faith. Yeah. That's trash. I know where it comes from. Send it back. That's yeah. trash. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do some coronavirus update stuff while we're here uh, on Sunday. Dr. Anthony Fauci expressed concerns that the worst still may be to come in America's battle against COVID-19. Correct. Saying the darkest days in fighting the virus lie ahead. This is from CNN. Uh, and the reason I'm concerned and my colleagues in public health are concerned also is that we very well might see a post-seasonal in the sense of Christmas New Year's surge. And I have described it as a surge upon a surge because if you look at the slope, the incline of cases that we've experienced as we have gone into the late fall and soon to be early winter, it's really quite troubling this from dr fauci on sunday mm -hmm. um i also saw earlier from newsweek this is from earlier in the week uh a poll earlier this week from i gotta find who did it uh either way i'll find the name of the who put the polls out. oh the data for progress uh poll was the data for progress poll was released on thursday that said 52 percent of likely voters in america would support a one month full lockdown to help combat the coronavirus uh spread as long as you pay people for it and pay the businesses, that's that's exactly what you got to do. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the. Should have done that properly the first time. <laughs> right. Water, water under the bridge. I won't spend. Too, I'll try to not spend too much time doing that as we continue to talk about COVID going forward on this show for the foreseeable future. But. Yeah, uh, and speaking of which, let's get into the COVID relief and government funding bill, which, after much conjecture earlier this week, uh, President Trump did sign. After sort of dilly dallying and playing golf and not signing it. a cliffhanger. It. Yeah, he wanted a little cliffhanger ending for 2020. Uh, but they did sign the the bill, so that means that means we still get the $600 unemployment benefits for what is it, 11, 12? No, no, no $600. No. You will get one check for $600, and then there'll be 300 a week for, for 11 weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was some talk today that the House is going to vote. On a $2,000 stimulus check after Trump signs the COVID relief? They'll vote, it'll pass, and then die in the Senate. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, it's unlikely to pass in the Senate, even if it goes through. Did you have any thought before today that he wasn't going to sign either of these bills? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I, I thought more likely than not that he would, because he's usually bluffing and full of it and always mm -hmm. sort of folds. Um, yeah. But, yeah. 
Yeah, certainly. As somebody who looks like they're trying to burn everything down on their way out mm. and you know wreck as much mm. stuff as they can before they get evicted, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, meanwhile, Donald Trump, uh, one of his longtime allies, the New York Post, has finally turned on him and called for him to stop the insanity and concede the 2020 mm. presidential election. Not really a story, but I think it's interesting because the Post has so notoriously been yeah, yeah. like all deep in his pocket, deep in the pocket of Trump for such a long time. Um, you know what's bothering Trump, though, during this period? What's really bothering him getting his goat? He's mad that Vogue magazine has not put the First Lady Melania Trump on their cover at any time during her tenure in office. Mm. This is what he's very concerned about. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have been mad about this as well. <laughs> I know Vogue hasn't been the same since Melania's been on the cover. <laughs> mm. uh, I, are you concerned at all about the January 6th stuff? About all this, oh, they're going to... They're going to make Mike Pence turn all the votes to Trump and change the election. Any, any concern about these people that's running not, this? That's not real. No. <laughs> um, that's, not, that's, that's not a real thing. That's all weird parlor uh, gabber. But no, uh, the, the concern, my only concern, uh, much of like you're talking about, you know, with the bombing, with different stuff like that, my concern is if there's a lot of people out protesting, a lot of people in the streets, a lot of passion, a lot of vigor, um, and then a lot of people who like to stir the pot and stuff like that, yeah. I would really hate to see something... Um, in any kind of direction like that, you know what I mean. I'm just I'm hoping that people, I'm I'm hoping that the people can keep it together. Mm -hmm. If if you know, well, that's my only real concern. No, I don't yeah. have any concern that Mike Pence is going to make up some magic rule from a book that they found buried underneath Thomas Jefferson yeah. in 1777, which had some magic rule where he's the boss and pick that. No, that's all. No, I think you're trash. totally. I think you're 100 spot on. You look at all the stuff and all the calls for people to get out on January 6th and protest. What's you know this obvious steal, and that scares me much more, right? Especially yeah. in the wake of what we saw on Christmas, like you see, and all the stuff you see in Oregon with people trying to break into the state building earlier this week. Yeah, you just you can you just, you get concerned. I mean, you get concerned any t any time that people are mass gathering for any reason. Yeah. Out, you just hope that things the temperature can stay lowered because you see you know you see how quickly things can spin yeah. out of control. You know, as we've been watching, and people get like. Yeah. People get heated up really quickly, and the rhetoric really ramps up really sharply. And that's just, I think, always to be, you know me, I'm always trying to tamp down rhetoric when I can, unless I'm, like, laughing and joking <laughs> off the air privately. Uh, so this is something I saw from lawandcrime.com earlier this week, and it was in response to inquiries about Mike Pence being able to block the Electoral College win when he presides in the Senate on January 6th, mm. based on some claim in the 12th Amendment. Right, mm -hmm. but what the Twelfth Amendment actually delegates mm -hmm. or designates is the president. Uh, the president of the Senate, the vice president, is supposed to open the certificates, but then he uses the passive voice mm -hmm. that the votes shall be counted. That implicit, he implicitly, Congress does the counting. Mike Pence has nothing to do here. Of his, course, his role is completely ceremonial. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's like caught up in this idea that he's got some like deep seated plan coming, he doesn't because all he's doing there is opening like envelopes and reading what's there. That's it. So. That's the reality of it. I hope we I hope we can come to a time at some point at, after this or soon where where the media and thus the public stops giving um, non serious things actual yeah. weight. It, even so. entertaining notion like oh could this be the thing? Why why what? No, it's not the thing. So don't even entertain the notion for for folks. Let's uh, move on from one terrible human being to another terrible human being. Let's talk about Martin Screlly, who's back in the news this week. Kev. Uh, when's the last time you heard about Martin Shkreli in the news? 
Not long ago enough. <laughs> so he's gotten uh, some press this week because of a story that had come out from Elle magazine about a reporter who apparently upended her career and fell in love with uh, with Martin Scarelli while doing a report on him. Mm-hmm. When he found out the report was coming out, he then future endeavored her, specifically saying, I wish her best of luck in her future endeavors, mm-hmm. and never went back to her. It's a really wild story that's been mm-hmm. uh, making its way all around the internet. Uh, Scarelli is considered one of the most hated men on the internet, mm-hmm. and has been for many years. Uh, so much so... This was reported earlier this week by MLB.com's Jeff Passan. Uh, former baseball player Tyler Glasnow used to use a picture of Martin Scarelli to get angry before he started baseball games. He would look at pictures of his phone of Martin Scarelli, and it would get him mad before starts. It's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. <laughs> uh, so, Kevin, it got me thinking. I, I had a hard time coming up with this. Was there anyone you could think of? Who you could look at to make you angry if you needed to get mad, like a picture of somebody you would look at, or a picture of something, or whatever. No, I don't think I don't think probably a photo of a person would would ramp up the emotion like that. Maybe a photo with context of like a situation or something, I guess. But I don't know. Not that I I would have to actively I'd find a way actively to let a photo affect me like that. I don't know. It would be hard, maybe, but probably. I'm sure there's something. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe Lou something. Dobbs is what I'm thinking. Like, if I looked at a picture of Lou Dobbs, you see enough, enough of that idiot. You see enough of these people. I'm not. No picture of some man's face. No picture of some man's face. Oh, enough man. to raise the blood pressure. All right, so let's get to my one top ten list of the year that I found. I thought it was pretty interesting. This mm. is from Vox. From top like, ten, top ten list. Yeah, it was the Vox's top ten things of the year. In 2020. It's not even really a top ten. It's just their things things of the year. Okay. So let's start off with number one here. Toilet paper. Thing of the year. Uh, Toilet paper. Had a moment. It did have a moment in 2020. I think we're probably not that far away from another toilet paper. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Whenever they do a lockdown again, the people will probably go nuts. Fueled fueled by idiots. I mean, I I gotta try to be kinder. Uh, Nintendo Switch also on this list. Sales went up 63% in March of 2020. Uh, when the pandemic hit, people yeah. are playing the Switch like wilds. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, bread. Bread is also on the up in 2020. Uh, bread, par- people are finally hearing about bread. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Apparently, it's just the idea that because people are home more often, the idea of people learning to bake bread on their own has gone up, and the actual sale of bread makers and such has risen as well. Uh. Masks. Another thing from 2020. That's a thing we all we're all aware of. Masks. You see what they're going with here? It's kind of cute, this Yeah, this list. is like that part in Christmas Vacation where they're like, your aunt's losing it. She just started wrapping up things from around the house to give us gifts. Uh, fireworks. Uh, earlier this year, people were complaining in Utica about this, the uptick in firework noise. Mm. Remember that? Yes, I do. In June of 2020? I do indeed. Uh, New York City, in the beginning of June 2020, received 1,733 complaints about fireworks, 80 times more than their previous year. So there was some uptake in fireworks, at least in New York City. It's only going to keep going up, I think. (laughs) Uh, Kiddie pools also had a moment this year. Kiddie pools are back instead of having a full in-ground pool because they're expensive. People just buying kiddie pools. Huh. Uh, Peloton bikes. People were mad at Peloton bikes this year. Were they? Because they're very expensive. What's that? That's the the exercise bike? Yeah, them big fancy exercise bikes that cost like $2,000. They were mad at the bikes? Seems, I mean, it's an expensive bike. They got expensive bikes. (laughs) People were mad about bikes. Man, why? Everybody's so mad. And then last but not least, 
peel and stick wallpaper. Ooh, Spe- I actually have thoughts about this. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, apparently, Home Depot's seen their sales rise 24% this year because people were doing more DIY work around their house during the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, killer stuff. I saw a website. I think I got served an ad for it on something. Sometimes I served some ads for like some uh, you know design type of stuff like that. And I got, I saw a really cool article and was looking into it. They make the wallpaper, if you remember, you ever like help put on wallpaper when you're a yeah, kid or like see your parents do it? It's awful. It's Terrible. the worst. Terrible process. You gotta like wet it. It's like lick an envelope to put up, but it's the whole wall when you put mm-hmm. it in the thing. Terrible. All that's terrible. So this is basically a big like a sheet roll that goes on like a contact sheet. They've got all sorts of wild, loud patterns, different stuff like that. So if you wanted to put like a really uh, really kind of out there, like accent wall in a room, or do a really crazy pattern. Mm. This makes it pretty easy, and it's pretty affordable where it's not that expensive. So if you wanted like one wall in a room to have some crazy print, or do just like a bathroom looking nuts, you can now do that pretty affordably with pretty low investment. I'm looking at our wall out there, seeing if I want to do like a just one wall of like the Twin Peaks black and white chevron logo. I don't know, some sort of pattern for the wall. We have like that one blank wall in the apartment. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we need some peel and stick wallpaper. Maybe, for yeah, it. maybe that's the move. Maybe this is the year. Uh, all right, uh, quick segment of Boo This Man. Uh, this week's Boo This Man, one of our favorites, Marco Rubio. Uh, Marco Rubio shredded on Twitter this week for bashing Dr. Fauci, as he's known to do. However, earlier this week, uh, your boy Marco Rubio also on Twitter getting the coronavirus vaccine. Of course. So which is it, Marco? You gonna bash Dr. Fauci, you gonna call him an asshole, or you gonna jump in front of line of all these people and take your COVID vaccine? Mm. Boo this man, mm. America. Boo this man. Mm. Uh, also in this week's Boo This Man uh, is a lady. A lady man. Uh, Wendy Rogers. Boo, boo this, this lady. lady. Uh, Wendy Rogers, classic, classic dumb thing to do. Going on here trying to justify Robert E. Lee. Great patriot and a great leader. Come on. On Twitter. Hey, he loved our country more than Antifa, Soros, China, AOC, Elon, and Rashid Talib. she tweeted, while yeah. also tweeting at them on it. Thirstily. For sure has nothing to do with race. 100% has nothing to do with race, though. Definitely, definitely not. Finally following it up with, Robert E. Lee served his country and his state, which is more than some of these socialist imposters have done. The socialist imposters. Everything I don't like is socialism. <laughs> yeah, communism. I can't... It's wild. Yo, things of 2020, communism is back. The, the fact... No, it's not. It's not. That's the thing. Like, if it was back... But that's the thing. It's like, it, it's just gangs of folks who have never glanced past the history book. Oh. Uh, words have meanings. I know you know this. You're a master. You, you hold a degree. This. I know you know this. All right, and last but not least, I'll do one to make you feel better, all right? Uh, uh, this week's Diego Maradona, big energy segment. I really like this story. Uh, so, a 12-year-old schoolboy mm. had his DJing equipment confiscated this week after teachers busted him Hosting a rave for his fellow colleagues in a school bathroom. Uh, this is from Manchester, Damn. England, by the way. Uh, that, yeah, that's such an England yeah. move. Uh, Kale Bell from Manchester held an impromptu rave in the school toilet at St. Anthony's Catholic College during the lunch break on December 11th. According to his mom, Louise Bell, uh, the boys sent out a Snapchat invite to all the boys from year 8. The rave included complimentary soft drinks and Cadbury twirls as Kale showed off his turntable skills with the DJ set. This party lasted 30 minutes before the party police arrived and broke it up. According to the mom, Kale's speakers and lights have been seized. However, she has decided she will not be punishing her son for putting on the event. If this kid ever listens to this show, I need to let him know 
how deeply I respect him <laughs> and how deeply I get it. And and you're a hero. You're just mm. young, and you gotta learn that sometimes you, we can't we can't be having bathroom raves right now. <laughs> but but boy, if, boy, if I don't respect the energy, <laughs> big big energy from our guy. Boy, if I don't respect the energy, uh, he's this has gone viral. Obviously, many many commenters deeming Kale quote unquote. A legend. I hope he DJs a party for his entire school once everything is back to, uh, back <laughs> to so more well. open engagement. Speaking of a legend, let's bring in uh, this week's interview with Uticast legend, Utica legend, drumming legend, and now drumming on YouTube legend? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right, senior West Coast correspondent Chris Mandry joining us to close out the year 2020. Tell us how the year's been from the West Coast, his new YouTube channel about drumming, and just chatting it up with my boy one last time before the end of 2020. Here he is. me yeah give me one second here oh, that's fine take your time buddy just be aware that uh because i'm bad at tech we're already recording so i uh, saw that i noticed that you caught me recording you were uh recording me looking at my phone i'm trying to get this to work in my ears oh you that's all right. fucking son of a gun <laughs> that's fine i actually had to um as you were uh texting me i was trying to go back in time to look at the last time you were on the podcast. Mm. Uh, I had to go deep into the archives, but the last time you were here was on episode 177. Now for some context, we're at like episode 288. Wow. Um, And the last time you were on was November 12th. There's that face. Now your camera's on. Hi. The second time I've seen you in two days. It's a, a rare treat. I know it's the luckiest year of your life. <laughs> it's the best year ever. Chris Andrew <laughs> twice. It's all I need. Uh, so we've already referred to you many times as our West Coast correspondent. Of course, we're talking oh. about Christopher Mandry. Uh, Chris, last time you were on was November twelfth, twenty eighteen. Mm. Uh, that was a little more than two years ago now. And at the time, we were talking. You were doing your exit interview. Mm-hmm. To the pot, uh, to the city of Utica, to the city of uh, Tonight County, uh, and you were embarking on what we were calling Mandry Fest Destiny, I believe. Is what oh we're yeah. <laughs> so, I do want to get into some like you know how things have been going uh, since you've been there, but mm-hmm. I got to start here. So for our listeners, November twelfth, twenty eighteen, you're on here. You move out to the West Coast. It's been two years. How do you feel overall about the move to the West Coast? How has it been for you personally? <laughs> for me personally very good it's been very good yeah it was uh definitely something that um that i had to do for myself and you know when i came out here i didn't know uh anybody really i had one friend who i saw a couple times within that first year but uh, i just kind of picked up everything and came out here and kind of made it work and uh you know there's some struggles along the way and a lot of uh trying things and um 
you know, I, I finally have found um, a nice rhythm, but I've, it's, it's been great, man. I love it. And I know we've talked about, you know, drums many times before. We talked about metal music last time you were on here, but I think it's important, you know, you talked about not really knowing anybody when you first get mm -hmm. to, you know, to West Coast, Los Angeles, doing your thing out there. Do you feel like being a drummer, being a musician, did that allow for you to like meet people and give you in ways when you first got there that you don't think you would have had otherwise? Uh... No, I really? mean, not really, because there, there's so many people doing everything, you know what I mean? There's a million drummers, there's a million people, so it's, you know, I guess for me, what, what helped me out a lot is um, that I actually pursued a job in in drums, in, in for what ended up being retail, um, and I got in at a, at a legendary place here, this place, Pro Drum, um, which I'm I'll probably get into, but oh, yeah. it, you know, I, so like, I would sign up for these things called like, uh, it, it, it took me a while to meet people here for sure. Um, but you know, really working and kind of putting myself in situations where other people were forced to, uh, talk to me and I was forced to talk to other people that, that helped a lot. But, uh, and it kind of gave, I guess being a drummer kind of gives you, gives you a foothold, but there's so much stuff that I did not know existed until I came out here. And then I was like, Oh, I should have been doing that for the last year, you know, like background acting, for example. Oh, you know, it's, it's so funny, you know, growing up as guys who were in, you know, bands and playing the music we loved, right. You know, you were doing like the metal stuff and I was you know doing the punk pop stuff and there's just stuff that we really cared about back then. And it's funny, as I got older and I went to New York and, and me and Adam were working on music together down there in New York, our idea of what being a successful musician looked like shifted. Like all of a sudden we're like, you know, instead of being like a, a band that performs, maybe we get into like soundtracking. Maybe we start coming up with like, you know, movie or music type stuff where we can still make music, but we don't have to go through the, the, the rigmarole of like setting up gear three nights a week. <laughs> Right. And hoping that everyone's going to show up on time and the anxiety that that might bring. I did join a band right away. Actually, I forgot about that. Within the second week uh, I was out here, I got into a uh, heavy metal band called Potty Mouth. Um, That's right, Potty Mouth. <laughs> which was very strange that it was, I mean, really right up my alley. But it was a speed, uh, speed metal band that uh, really focused on toilet humor. Um, and that's putting it very nicely because it is very, a very vulgar group. Very nicely. Um, but, uh, and that did help a little bit. I mean, I didn't end up, um, you know, I, I got out of the band less than a year after that. Um, things were getting busy and I was working quite a bit, but. I've always uh, been kind of envious of you in that way though, because when I, I've said this to you before, and I've put you over many times in public and in private, you know, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely the single best most talented drummer I've ever met in my life. Like I've met lots of drummers and lots of musicians, right? Um, but I've always been sort of envious because you were so good that I feel like you're probably, are you able to like do different stuff? Like, can you, do you feel like you're adaptable because of your like years of like going to school with music and all you've played? Yes, yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's, it, there's so there's so much out here that, that you can do, you know, I, I probably could find gigs. 
I don't know. There's so much that it's, it's trying to find something that aligns with you um, and what you're doing, but also that's available. You know, I mean, it's like, you could have this ideal situation and it just doesn't exist, you know, at this moment in time, whatever it might be. You know, I think a lot of times too, and this is what happened to me. And I don't know if you ever had this, this drive when it happened to you, when I went to New York and we had, you know, me and Kevin in, the band had sort of gone their own separate ways. We're all doing our own thing. When I got to New York, my MO was, I'm going to only do stuff I never would have done, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to do a band where I play bass and don't sing. And I'm going to do cover songs and we're going to do like weird metal. I went searching for stuff that was totally different than stuff I'd ever done before. And I think Mm -hmm. people either go one way or the other, you either go wildly experimental or you go really, really inward on yourself and do something really like insular and for you. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of times trying things and going the experimental route is what gives you the insight in terms of like, Oh, I actually don't like this thing or man, I actually love this thing that I didn't know. Like for me, like acting, like I love being on set. Like I could do anything um, on a, on a set and, and seemingly enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, th- there's so much out there that, you know, there was a couple of times where I quit drums when I moved out here. Yeah. Where I was like, nope, not not doing this anymore, you know, because yeah. these guys, one of my good friends is, you know, has gone on world tours opening up for uh, Dream Theater, you oh. know, and yeah, he's, he's super, super legit and taught at Berkeley and Musicians Institute. Mm. And then it's like, you know, you, you, you hang out with somebody like that. And it's like, okay, I don't know anything. And I haven't put in the hours that this guy's put in. And it could be, um, you know, when you compare yourself to those people, instead of compare yourself to, to you of yesterday, um, it can get, you can go down a downward spiral yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but not stopping and continuing to try things for a while. It's like, I want to do comedy. I want to push in that direction. And um, you know, kind of fell on my face a couple of times, which is, yeah. uh, right. Which is good. Really. I'm glad that I, but then it's like putting that in perspective is like, okay, I tried it. I put myself in a position where I was able to, you know, fail, uh, you know what I mean? The fact that I, I, and it's, and that's a daunting thing for me is, is trying those things as I'm sure it is for, for anybody, but then I'll have a situation where I play drums learn a song in 24 hours. It's a metal song. And I click with everybody. And it's like, I felt like I was in havoc playing a high school show where people are going nuts. I'm like, this is what I should be doing. That's the best feeling. And then the next week, it you know, dissipates because I got crushed in my mind by somebody who's just astronomically, you know, technically advanced. And it's a, it's a back and forth for sure. I think that's actually something really interesting that you touched on. Cause I, I I was talking to my niece about this not too long ago. I think that the internet has kind of been bad for people who are creative in a certain aspect, right? Like, because if you and I, you know, when we were growing up, we weren't like on Instagram looking at other drummers. We were just playing around in basements with our friends, right? Once you start looking out and comparing yourself, not to just the people around you and the people you're playing for, but to like strangers who are doing the same kind of thing, I think it gets like this sort of unhealthy view like, oh, I could never be as good as this person. I could never be, oh, I might as well just stop now because this person's obviously doing way better than me. And I wonder how many people get scared off from doing something they'd be really good at because they look out at all these other people 
on all these social media platforms and like, oh, well, I, what's the point? Right. Or like, yeah, I could work out for six years, but I'll never have abs that look like that or, or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. And, be, uh, you know, not, not in my case. Not you personally, right? Yeah. No, right, right. <laughs> Other people have that problem. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, with that, that, that comparison kind of thing, you know, there's a certain, I, I used to listen to Gary V a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's the point of listening and taking it in and hearing good advice and going in a good direction but if that's all you do, then, you know, there's got to be some kind of action involved, some kind of, you know, um, uh, a step forward. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of education w- within different, you know, you can, you can go down holes and, and get educated and, but you need to have experience. And I think also there's another point. I, um, I was going to say, but I forgot about experience. Uh, about experience, about seeing people who are doing things. Um, well, that's all right. We can, uh, I can always, <laughs> well, let me ask you this question because we can come back to it. I want to, I want to ask you something. Cause you, it's been, you got there November 12th, 2018. And I know personally that, you know, what you sort of went through, we've talked about it before, you know, trying to get settled in, find a place, but you know, getting all set up. But was there like, did you, how long did you know, how long did it take for you to know that you liked it out there and there was a real chance you were never ever going to come back to like the East coast or something. I think looking back, I knew before I got there, really, you know, like it was just something that was like, I'm going to make this work and I can always go somewhere else if I need to, but there wasn't, I was ready to do whatever it is that I had to do to, survive you know what i mean and um you know whatever that even means yeah and, uh and yeah it, it was uh there, there were some points that, that that were a struggle but i it's just for me i needed a place with with action and it was either going to be la or new york yeah and um when i saw how accessible uh like I guess for me, I've always wanted kind of, I don't know, level of stardom or something, but like a kind of like, I'd love to be able to act in X, Y, and Z places or, you know, do stand up and do drums and be able to do all that stuff. You want to carve out like a niche for yourself. Yeah. But also be able to um, be in a community with those folks as well. And how accessible people, you know, like I've had conversations with Bill Burr and Danny Carey who come into the shop. And that kind of thing is like, no matter how globally accessible the internet is and you're doing stuff on the internet, actually being in a place where you can shake somebody's hand, uh, I think is, there's a certain amount of, um, you can't really buy that. You can't really fake that. You know, it's just, you have to be, you have to be there. I think something comes out of it. It's not necessarily um, measurable, you know, but uh, it's a, a kind of quality of relationship that you can't build just via the internet, I guess. Well, I think I go back all the way, you know, you could look at all the people that we, you know, surrounded ourselves with growing up, you know, all the good friends we had, all of our friends are really good talkers, funny dudes, like on the ball, smart, witty. I'm not trying to like oversell our friends as some like brilliant guys. But we had good <laughs> like comedy and funny stuff, talking, breaking balls all the time. We're always sort of on our toes. I give a lot of credit 
to being able to like converse with people to just having friends around who also were naturally good at conversing with people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that sense of humor and be able to uh, take a joke and, you know, for me, it gets a little dark because there's nothing that's off limits in yeah. terms of like jokes. And it's like, really like, you know, I have to, I have to kind of really gauge, you know, what I'm saying in front of who, uh, but you, you know, with, with our, with our group, I, I think that we were very lucky because it was always this kind of one-upsmanship of like, who's going to stop the conversation? Like who's going to say the thing that's so offensive that people are like, next topic, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And it's so, you know, and it's just like um, to watch like this group of people that we were, you know, growing up with, like go off and do all their own amazing, cool things has been like a great blessing too. like, I love watching all these people that we've been around for the most part, like living their best lives and going through and like making something for themselves, whether here or somewhere else, you know, and it's, that's been one of the nice joy. If, if 2020 has taught me anything, it's to, uh, to, to take account and solace of the good things the little things that do show up so if i can have that one thing in my life that's one good thing to add for a crummy year yes yeah absolutely um yeah i think we, i think we also got very lucky too with uh you know our, our specific group of guys that, that we've been hanging with and uh you know something i thought about too actually when i was driving is that everybody has their own set of problems yeah. and there's certain things that like you're born into that you have no control over you know um and then there's things that for you might be an absolute nightmare and for other people would be a piece of cake you know and um there's a certain there's just obstacles that each person has that you really don't understand you can't understand you know each problem is their own and could be catastrophic for some people that's easy for you um and i know like for me moving out here and and just kind of not knowing anybody and you know really kind of rolling the dice. Like when I talked to you on November 12th, I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a place to live till November 30th. I think I got a place for the first. And uh, a lot of people can't wrap their head around that or do that, you know, Uh, at the same time, you know, I don't, clean my room (laughs) I don't know, you know, I I have a lot of respect for what you did. You know, when I went to New York, I was there for about a year by myself. Uh, well, by myself in terms of I lived in an apartment with people I didn't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I had like, like gotten a place from somebody else. And I was so lonely. Like I know that sounds like, you know, people like, oh, soy boy, so lonely. But, you know, when you're down there and you've had such this, and you know, we just talked about this great group of friends and support system we had here. And that first year, you know, I was depressed all the time. Like sitting in my room, gaining 15 pounds, eating chips and drinking sodas and watching NBA highlights for a full year because I didn't, I was like afraid to go out in the world and figure out what was out there. You know, it took a long time and I know that struggle. And, you know, I got lucky because all of a sudden a bunch of guys from Utica were like, Hey, we're also moving to New York. And it became this like, Oh, great. We have this like thing together, but, but you really built something all by yourself. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, I think knowing that I have the love and support from friends and family back home is always a good thing at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of things that I haven't shared with people because it's like, I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody to worry or to think, you know, it was just kind of like, I'll let you know on the, when I get to the other side here about what's happening. Um, but you know, I, I guess a lot of it was 
you know, luck, but also just putting yourself in the right place at the right time. Like I probably had seven or eight jobs since I've been here. Um, and it's, everything is so temporary too. It's like, okay, well, I, this doesn't work for me. It's not like my name's going to be tarnished or something. If I get up and leave, I'm just going to try something uh, because it's such a big place, which is nice. And I, I, I have to ask, and we won't, we won't stick too long on this, you know, how, uh, how much, how much of a disappointment was it just have everything change? You know, you've been there for a year and then all of a sudden COVID hits. How much did everything change around you? Did, did everything like change overnight? Did, what, what happened for you? <laughs> yeah. So I had just moved into Hollywood with uh, my roommate. We were working at a place called Studio Instrument Rentals. Um, and crazy place. Like we'd rent gear to... Um, you know, everybody from Snoop Dogg and the Roots to Kiss would come in and rehearse and all these other folks. And so I've been living there for about a month. Uh, yeah, February 1st, I moved in. And then I was in Vegas. So it was like, okay, things are getting weird in March. And it's like, all the orders were slowing down. So it's like, is there going to be work? And then um, I went to 311 day. Um, and it was, it was a <laughs> very intense experience and they had actually shut everything down while i was at 311 day wow. um so i watched i was in new york new york and they shut down the slot machines i watched them turn off row after row because they're yeah it was super intense but that's when i got a text message from my boss saying uh hey there's no more hours like from full time to just zero and i am i'm very very lucky and i know that i'm very lucky because I was like, first of all, I'm partying my ass off for the next four days <laughs> because I don't know if there'll ever be a chance be the to last party, party ever. <laughs> so it's like, there's no, you know, anything anybody asks me, I'm saying yes to, um, which turned out great. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I had this thought immediately, which I'm so fortunate that this is going to force um, it's going to force something to happen that couldn't have happened without this. You know what I mean? Like it's going to, it's, it's an opportunity to get creative. And while this part of my life is now shut off, it's going to open up something. There'll be other opportunities and, um, and I just have to find it. And I, I was able to, which is great with the drum shop and um, you know, every it's, it, I was very, very fortunate to have that to have stuck with it um you know i was there just once a week for almost two years and then um i was able to to stick with it and i just that that mentality of of okay this is an opportunity for something different i was kind of losing my mind i wasn't losing my mind at the other place but it was yeah. um it was minimum wage i was renting my time there's no real gains you know what i mean there's not a lot of appreciation um and it was it I was just very fortunate to have that mentality and also be in a place where I'm healthy and young so that I'm not concerned about the necessarily my spider sense isn't going off of that yeah. danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, that's like something I've talked about with my parents, you know, and you know, I, I take it very seriously. I wear the masks and they're like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not worried about me getting sick. I think I'll be fine. I don't want to get you guys. Sick. I don't, I would never want to get someone else who I care about or someone who's in like a danger zone. Like, I, don't, I would never want that. Never right. want it. But like for me, per I think I would be okay-ish. Fingers crossed yeah. to say that. Yeah, you'd be um, I'm a doctor. 
so and let me let's get into that since you were uh since that was what we were talking about so you're working at professional drum shop now yep this place right here we got hats we got shirts well here hang on a second i'm gonna try something i've never done before because i i was gonna get a picture of you anyway so sit back for a second and i'm gonna ask my computer if it'll do it for me hey sir Ooh, yes enable i don't know hang on see this is live action all right Never mind. I'll just do it. We'll send you a picture later on. Siri, will you take a screenshot? Here's what I found. This is a terrible idea. I'll take a screenshot of you later. We'll do it later on. Uh, Chris, let's talk about... If you hit hit print screen... Is it? On your computer. And then you go to Word, and then you hit copy, or then you hit paste. Oh, this one doesn't show up in Word. I'm just going to make you send me a, 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 a very personal picture later. Um, so let's talk about professional drum shop for a second. So you're doing their, you, you're doing YouTube stuff for them. You're saying now. Yeah. So I've been, um, I started working on their website. Uh, basically it was just like, this is now going to be the real estate. Cause we weren't sure if anybody was ever going to be able to go into the store again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had uh, basically, excuse me for lack of a better term. Let's see what can I, without the F word. Um, I unaffed their site. Sure. Uh, so you can <laughs> so you can uh, you can actually find stuff, and uh, it's you know there's some rhyme or reason to it, and we're starting to build off of that, and just really building the the online um, presence. There's a lot of like sales channels from like manufacturers. They've been around for 62 years. Um, so and there's a lot of a lot of legendary things that have happened there. Uh, a lot of legendary people that have come through there. And, uh, so yeah, I've just been working kind of building, building that up, but also, you know, day to day on the floor and, um, trying to, it's crazy. Cause the software job I had before I moved out there really lent itself to what I'm doing now in terms of like the organizational aspects of it, um, process, uh, efficiency, that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, wild place man uh chris it is uh it's 4 4 4 15 where you are uh but i know you just got out of work so i don't want to keep you too too long and i want to thank you for spending some time with us here right before our last podcast of 2020 before, wow. I, let you, before I let you go though i have a couple uh quick lightning round questions for you if you if you have another moment for me okay hang on a sec <laughs> what are you what are you sipping on over there anyway this is uh boot Boont, B-O-O-N-T from Anderson Valley. It's a bear with with moose horns. You see that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. (laughs) You ever see one of those things in the wild? (laughs) Kill it immediately. (laughs) Kill it with fire. Uh, Chris, uh, give me one category that you would feel confident winning if you were on Jeopardy. Like, what's a category that if it popped up on Jeopardy, you're like, I got this. It's meant for me. Uh, probably drum. Something with uh, something with drums. Something with drums or drum brands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's kind of a you know uh, ages of uh, you know or Magic the Gathering cards. Magic. You, I forgot. You're like you know Magic the it was Gathering. Back in the day, though. Dude, Magic the Gathering is one of those things I remember. Shout out to former bartender in Utica, Mike McNamara. I, I haven't seen him in a while. But when I was in elementary school, Mike McNamara tried to show me 
how to play magic like at a half day at elementary school and i i did not have the the patience or the cognitive like i was like no this is not for me my man i'm i'm sorry i like the pictures i used to have a uh i used to have a nickname was soul canard the swamp king of course it was many people um (laughs) you drop that name with some people and they'll be like but man, I don't know what that's a uh, fucking piece of shit. Stole all my cards. Give me a, I'm going to set a scenario for you. You, Christopher Mandry, are the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. Very you, easy for me to picture this. All right? Very easy for you to picture. You are walking down the ramp to the ring. The crowd is chanting your name. Chris, Chris, Chris. As you hold the belt above your head, what song is playing in the background? Uh, Drop by Havoc. Oh, a classic Havoc track going all yeah. the way back. <laughs> and now we drop it on you. Boom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, Chris, give me uh, give me the one thing that you're going to go back to do first when we get back to some semblance of normal. Like the one thing you want to do the most. Um, I really like spitting on people. I'm kind of upset I can't do it. I'm just gonna randomly walk around, yeah, and spit on people. Have you um, have you had a chance to go to like an NBA game out there or or, uh, or anything like that? No, I was gonna go to. I wanted to go to the Lakers Celtics. Oh, I should have done this last year. I wanted to go to the Lakers Celtics game, and I've got a Shaq Celtics jersey. I was gonna wear. <laughs> That's right. But I I missed it. I, I, uh, that's the one, if I could go to New York to go see a Knicks game, even for as bad as they are, that's like one of the things I've got, I wish I could go do that again. That's like, that one's the one I'd like to do uh, at the moment. Uh, and Chris, give me one, uh, give me a book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching over the end of the holiday season. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, uh I've been uh, reading a lot of things just went to my that Epstein documentary, man. Third time I watched it. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a Jeff, a book from the drummer uh, about the drummer from Toto. I just started actually, it's called um, uh, it's about time. Uh, drummer is Jeff Percaro. I actually just went to his old drum tech, uh, just moved out of town and I picked up a cymbal from him and actually this, music stand or this uh, keyboard stand was on tour with mariah carey hey was she, yeah. was, she was she playing it I, oh you, now he's kissing it i love it. <laughs> no it was a guy it was a guy <laughs> i don't know man. uh all right so chris i want to thank you for spending our last episode of the show here together with us on 2020 it's been really exciting i'm happy to see you um i don't know with all the COVID stuff, when the next time we'll actually get to see each other in person is. But when we do, uh, I'll give you a big giant hug because I'm looking forward to it. I want my. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm hugging myself now, just thinking about you. Well, Chris, smile real quick for me. I'm gonna. Did I take it? I don't know. God, I'm the worst. There it is. <laughs> Chris. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, when I end this recording, it's going to end the, the interview itself. So I'll text you in a minute. But thanks, buddy. I love you. Enjoy love you too, Sam. Thanks care. for having me. Thank you, Utica. Go to Professional Drum Shop on YouTube, please. Professional Drum Shop on YouTube. I just followed it myself. And, uh, and remember, 
if it ever gets, if ever things ever get real bad, you can always come stay with me no matter what happens. I appreciate that, Sam. It'll be a long walk, but I'll see you. I'll see you soon, Good luck, buddy. All right. great time I had talking to our good friend Chris Mandry. Great friend of the show even better friend in real life. Always good to hear from him. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, it's funny. There are people who come on the show who are ostensibly like close personal friends mm-hmm. and uh, there are some who are, you know, just people I've met for the podcast, people I've reached out to. Right. I wonder if people can tell. Like, I wonder if someone is done. Like, I'm sure no probably, one's paying this much attention. Probably. Yeah, no, I'm sure. You can tell when people know each other, just based on the nature of, like, the way that it's kind of inside jokey and referential and different stuff like that. Yeah, no, I yeah, guess you You have right. to be able to tell. I'm sure sometimes if you get somebody who's, like, a total pro or really good at, like, talking or managing the conversation, it might seem like a more intimate connection than it possibly really is. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, I don't know. I think I would be able to tell. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even, like, the best interviews I have with people I've never met before, uh, it's always obvious I've never talked to them before, right? Yeah. Sure. Oh, so you're from here. I think you approach it differently, too. That's true. I do the structure differently for that, too, as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, Chris Mangery, one of our one of our favorite people. One of the best. Hope he's doing... The best he can be doing out there on the West Coast. Uh, all right, let's do history lessons. You were off history lessons this week, but they're back, baby. Mm. Back with a vengeance. On this day, 1869, the first Labor Day was uh, was actually celebrated, which seems weird because they moved it. The Knights of Labor, a labor union of tailors in Philadelphia, heard the, held the first Labor Day ceremony in American history. The Knights of Labor was established as a secret society of Pennsylvania tailors uh, and grew into a national body that played an important role in the labor movement in the late 19th century. First a- uh, annual observance of Labor Day was organized by the American Federation of Labor in 1884, which resolved in a convention in Chicago that the first Monday in September to be set aside as the laborers' national holiday. Mm. In 1887, Oregon became the first state to designate Labor Day as a holiday, and in 1894, Congress designated the first Monday of September a legal holiday for all, all federal employees and residences of the District of Columbia. Take advantage of the large number of potential customers at time to shop. Labor Day has become an important weekend for discounts and allowances by many retailers in the United States, especially for back-to-school sales. Uh, Some retailers claim it is the second largest sales date of the year, second only to Black Friday. Mm. And I guess Cyber Monday now or whatever. I guess that's not the same thing. Mm. Uh, Yeah, Labor Day. So there you go. Used to be in December. Now it's in September. If you learned one thing from that today, that's what you learned. They changed They changed the dates. Take it with you. Uh, on this day, 1895, the world's first commercial movie was screened at the Grand Café in Paris. Film was made by Louis and August. August? It's August with an E at the end. Am I supposed to pronounce that differently? Uh, Auguste. 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 Lumiere. The two French brothers who developed a, motion, a camera projector called the, cinema, the Cinematographe. It's all French. Cinematograph. You, yeah. Cinema. Cinematography. Cinema. It's like it looks like cinematography. Anyway, Lumiere brothers unveiled their invention to the public in March of 1895 with a brief film showing workers leaving the Lumiere factory. Uh, the siblings screened a series of short scenes from everyday French life and charged admission for the first time. Movie technology itself has roots in the early 1830s. 
uh, with two separate scientists simultaneously developing a device called the, oh man, again, Phenakistoscope. Jesus Christ. When incorporating a spinning disc with slots through which a series of drawings could be viewed. If you ever looked at that old video from back in the day of like the horses on the carousel spinning around, that's what they're talking about from the 1930s. Mm. Uh, in 1981, I'm sorry, 1891, Thomas Edison invented the kinetoscope, a machine with a peephole viewer that allowed one person to watch a strip of film as it moved past a light. Mm. So now you're getting closer to traditional movie technology, but it was Louis Lemire's Cinematograph, I guess is what I'm going with, which was patented in 1890, which had a combination of movie camera and projector uh, that really began the first idea of a screenable movie for people to see. Uh, they opened theaters, the Lumiere Brothers, in uh, in the America, where it became a big deal. Uh, the first U.S. movie theater devoted to showing movies opened in New Orleans uh, all the way back in 1896. Mm. Uh, so there you go. Movies will be back one day. You can thank the Lumiere Brothers, going all the way back to 1895. You know, this is one of those things I think about all the time, right? Not that everything's already been invented, mm. right? Because not it's certainly not true. There's many things that have not been invented. Right. But a lot of things have already been invented. True. What a time when you could, like, you could, yeah, it seems like the I come up with some totally brand new invention now mm. seems a lot harder. There's the fellow whose name escapes me right now, but he's got a very famous quote. If you look it up, you'll get his name. And he made this quote in 1899, and he said, everything that can ever be invented has been invented. We're at the end. There's nothing left. We've invented it all, basically. Uh, in 1899, he said this quote. And that was the attitude in 1899. Yeah. That we couldn't possibly dream up anything else to invent. So i got to imagine, anytime we think that, we just... Our brains can't even imagine the things we might invent out of necessity or sheer human ingenuity. I mean, Charles H. Dwell, mm. Dwell who yeah, was yeah. the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office in 1899. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just mean like, uh, I, mean, I guess what I'm really saying is I wish I could go back and invent the stuff that's already been invented. So just, uh, so it'd be tight right? to, it would be tight to have money. Yeah, it'd be tight <laughs> to have just money. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. No, because like that, see, if... Because that's like a great thing to... Like, what did you invent? Oh, I invented the salad shooter. What did you invent? I invented movies, bro. Commercial mm. film. I invented an art form. Mm. Oh. I invented a device that spins salad around so it gets all the dressing all over it. Uh, I suppose, counterpoint, if you invented the salad spinner, you can see that brought to market and fruition yes, within a, a great year. Point. Whereas, like, Mr. Lumiere or whatever, I'm sure you can be like, oh, they, you know, it's cool to have invented cinema, mm. but... This guy didn't know about Avengers back then and stuff like that. Like, So it's very know. cool to invent that, but only with the context that history provides does that invention become so wild. Back then it was probably like, cool toy, idiot. Like, It's true. You know what I mean? Kevin Feige definitely has way more money than the Lumiere's ever had in their See? entire lives. Sale uh, shooter it is. <laughs> in addition to this, the Lumiere's also developed the first practical color photography process, the autochrome plate. Uh, in 1907, so they never stopped. Keep moving right along. On this day, speaking of moving right along, uh, 1908, the worst European earthquake ever recorded uh, happened to my people. Mm. That's right. At dawn, uh, the, the most destructive earthquake in recorded European history struck the Straits of Messina in mm. southern Italy, leveling the cities of Messina in Sicily and Reggio de Calabria in mm. the Italian mainland. Mm. Uh, the earthquake and tsunami it caused killed an estimated 100,000 of my my people. Right. 
Sicily and Calabria are known as La Terra Ballerina, the dancing land, for the periodic seismic activity that strikes the region. In 1693, 60,000 people were killed in southern Sicily by an earthquake, and in 1783, most of the uh, Tyrian coast of Calabria was raised by a massive earthquake that killed 50,000. The quake of 1908 was particularly costly in terms of human life because it struck at 5.20 a.m. without warning, catching most people at home in bed rather than the relative safety of the streets or fields. Uh, the main shock, which registered an estimated 7.5 magnitude on the Richter scale, caused a devastating tsunami with 40-foot waves that crashed over coastal towns and cities. Uh, the two major cities on each side of the strait had some 90% of their buildings destroyed. Telegraph lines were cut and railroad lines were damaged, hampering relief efforts. And to make matters worse, the major quake on the 28th was followed by hundreds of smaller tremors over subsequent days, bringing down many of the remaining buildings and injuring uh, or killing rescuers. On December 30th, King Victor Emmanuel III arrived aboard the battleship Napoli to inspect the devastation. Uh, meanwhile, steady rain fell on the ruined cities, forcing the dazed and injured survivors, clad only in their night clothes, to take shelter in caves, ghettos, uh, grottos, and impromptu shacks built out of materials salvaged from the collapsed buildings. Veteran sailors could barely recognize the shoreline before long stretches of the coast uh, sank several feet into the Messina Strait. Very terrifying stuff mm. all the way back. I did some research on this about New York earthquakes, about what mm-hmm. could happen potentially to New York if we had earthquakes. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's scary. Essentially, the argument is always that no one knows where earthquakes are going to happen, and that's sort of what makes them so scary. Sure. You can't really predict it. Uh, damaging earthquakes have occurred in nearly every eastern state, including New York. Uh, the two largest New York earthquakes were 5.2 magnitude earthquakes that occurred in 1737 and 1884. I don't know what the timeline is on that, but it feels like we're due. Uh, The New York area is in the middle of a tectonic plate and therefore has what you call intraplate earthquakes, which tend to be smaller and happen less frequently. However, an East Coast earthquake can be really damaging because the geology in the East Coast is different. The ground is colder, older, and more brittle, uh, Mm. says seismologist Tursasawi of Columbia University's Earth observation. Mm. When seismic when seismic hits wave, it rings through the ground like a bell, and those seismic waves can be felt at a greater distance on the East Coast. Mm. So there you go. A little info about New York-style earthquakes for all you folks out mm. there. Uh, on this day, 1916, Rasputin, the legendary Rasputin, was murdered. Uh. Rasputin, one of my favorite characters from history. I just think one of the most fascinating characters from history for me. Uh, Rasputin was a Siberian-born peasant who underwent a religious conversion as a teenager and proclaimed himself a healer with the ability to predict the future. He went on to win the favor of Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra through his ability to stop the bleeding of their hemophiliac son Alex- Alexei in 1808. Sorry, 1908. <clears throat> From then on, though, he was widely criticized for his lechery and drunkenness. Rasputin extorted a powerful influence on the ruling family of Russia, uh, infuriating nobles, church orthodoxy, and uh, peasants alike. He he particularly influenced the Tsarina and was rumored to be her lover. When Nicholas departed to lead Russian forces in World War I, Rasputin effectively ruled the country through Alexandria, contributing to the already existing corruption and disorder of Romanov, Russia. People were pissed, people were scared, they didn't like it, so a group of nobles led by Prince Felix... Yusupov and Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich lured Rasputin to Yusupov Palace on the night of December 29th, 1916. Uh, Rasputin's would-be killers gave the monk food and wine laced with cyanide. 
Uh, I've read that he was one of those guys who was a paranoid maniac, and for many years he probably ingested small amounts of cyanide to, like, right. make his body prepared for it, which is... Well, you really gotta, be, you really gotta think people are coming for you. Yeah. Uh, when he failed to react to the poison, they shot him at close range, leaving him for dead. Short time later, he was revived. He, re- uh, however, Rasputin revived and attempted to escape. So even after he was shot, he's back. Mm. Palace guards uh, shoot him again and beat him viciously. Mm. Then they bind him up while he's still alive, mind you, and tossed him into a freezing river. Mm. His body was discovered several days later, and the two main conspirators were exiled. Not long after, though, the Bolshevik Revolution put a firmer end on the imperial regime of Tsar Nicholas in Alexandria, and the dark reign of the Romanovs eventually ended. Dark times in Russia, 1916. Certainly. Uh, and last but not least was, I guess, I don't have to go through all of this. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll do this as fast as I can. On this day, 1959. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. no. One of my favorites. I'm sorry. On this day, 1959... The animal Batista was forced out uh, by the Castro-led revolution in Cuba. Facing a popular revolution spearheaded by Fidel Castro, Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista, I can barely say his name, the animal, flees the island nation. The U.S. government had supported Batista, a former soldier and Cuban dictator from 1933 to 1944, and he seized power for a second time after a coup in 1952. After Castro and a group of his followers, including infamous revolutionary Che Guevara, landed in Cuba to unseat the dictator in December of 1956, the U.S. continued to back Batista, suspicious of what they believed to be Castro's leftist ideology, and they worried that his ultimate goals might include attacking the U.S.'s significant investments and properties in Cuba. American officials were nearly unanimous in opposing Fidel Castro. Mm. Uh, Cubans, however seemed to like him, and support for Castro grew in the late 1950s, particularly due to his charisma and his nationalistic rhetoric, but also because of his incre- the increasingly rampant corruption, greed, brutality, and inefficiency of the Batista government. This reality forced the U.S. to slowly withdraw its support from Batista, and they started looking for an alternative to both Castro and Batista, but these efforts uh, eventually failed. Mm. On, on January 1st, 1959, Batista and a number of his supporters fled Cuba for the Dominican Republic, and tens of thousands of Cubans and thousands of Cuban-Americans in the U.S. celebrated the end of the dictator's regime. Castro's supporters moved quickly to establish their power, uh, and Castro and his guerrilla army triumphantly entered Havana on January uh, 7th of that, sorry, of 1960. Um, I mean, I don't want to have to get into everything afterwards. I mean, people were scared of him because, you know, communism. Again, we go back to communism. Mm. I mean, I might as well do it. I'm here already. After Castro nationalized American-owned properties, aligning himself with the Communist Party, and growing friendlier with the Soviet Union, America's Cold War enemy, the U.S. severed diplomatic and economic ties with Cuba and enacted a trade and travel embargo that remains in effect, although some restrictions were loosened under the Obama administration. Uh, Fidel Castro temporarily ceded power to his brother Raul in 2006 as he grew unwell, and he officially stepped down in February of 2008, dying on November 25th, 2016. So there you go. Castro. I did it as fast as I could. Castro mm. and Batista. What a story. Uh, I find all of this Latin American, like, revolutions have to be super romantic in terms of, like, a storytelling. I don't know why. I'm sure it's a lot like the Diego Maradona big energy segment. The more and more you read about all these people, it's like, I don't know if all these guys were great people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But there's something romantic, I think, about, like, watching... 
a revolution take place with these oppressed people and have it succeed. There's something strange mm. about watching it succeed, whether or not that long-term success was good or bad for Castro or Cuba or whatever, right? Right. I don't know. I find the whole story very, I don't know. There's something about it. It's very huh. fascinating to me. Huh. I don't know. Any thoughts about the animal Batista? Uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's uh, I mean, it's probably the top out of a lot of the the various stories to come out of the southern hemisphere or close to the southern hemisphere in you know the last hundred years. And a lot of times, this stuff is more compelling uh, for Americans because it's closer to home and it's closer in time and relation. And there's people alive who remember when this stuff happened. I think is why some of it is a lot more prescient for Americans. Well, I think what's fascinating for me about it is how much America just loved to dip its fingers into Latin America. Like, there's so much USA influence in every single one of these, oh, yeah. like, Latin American revolutions. It's wild. All right, let's get into some, uh, our lighter stories for the week. I'd like to get done faster this week, so we'll move through some <laughs> of this. I know, we're already, we're already ahead of, we're already ahead of schedule, I promise. Uh, all right. Uh, just a real quick one here. A maskless man earlier this week, uh, committed a drive-by shooting on Sunday. When an altercation about him not wearing the mask. He came back, drove by, shot somebody who yelled at him for not wearing a mask. Turns out, he was later identified because he was not wearing a mask. Good. This is from Ellensburg Police. Yeah. Uh, so there you These go. These are your guys. These are your guys. These are your guys. Uh, speaking of people who were your guys, uh, Lori Laughlin released from prison right before Christmas, right in time for the new year. Lori Laughlin. Released from prison after two month sentence for her college admission scam. Uh, How long before Laughlin? Uh, before Lori Laughlin's back on TV? Uh, was she on TV before? She will be now. Put her back on Fuller House now. Uh, she said she's ready to face the consequences. Didn't you already face the consequences? I feel like this is uh, facing the consequences, uh, yeah, isn't this it? Is PR is garbage. She's got money. What is she doing? <laughs> uh, oh, big news out of Nashville, Tennessee this week. People are mad. Uh, early. <laughs> the bomb? No, different story. Different story. Uh, oh, no, did I lose it? Where'd it go? I went back. Did I lose the whole story? Oh, no. Okay, here we are. Did you hear the story about Taylor Swift was replaced in a famous Nashville mural celebrating country legends earlier this week? Mm. She was painted over and replaced with Brad Paisley. That's probably fair. Really? I mean, the argument for most people was that she doesn't really do country she music anymore. She belongs to country, yeah. She's no, she moved away from country almost completely. Uh, Swift's fans jumped on this. They said it's unfair because she was awarded a rare Pinnacle Award at the 2013 Country Music Awards. She was the first woman to receive the Pinnacle Awards because uh, she contributed so much to the country music scene growing up. I don't know. I can I kind of see both ways here, right? This place is a private business that does this, like this this Legends Bar or whatever it is. So they can do whatever they want to their mural, honestly. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I, I guess just being like, oh, she got a pinnacle award. Oh, who's pinnacle? You know what I mean? That's not a degree from Oxford. Like, yeah. they got her an award because it's good marketing at the time because she young people were paying attention to her. But like, no, at this point, I would say, out of her, if you gave anybody, give them a top ten list of Taylor Swift songs, uh, make their list, and if they ask top five favorite albums, almost none of that is country music. Right. So why keep her? You know, if it's weird to paint over somebody, but it's a bar. You should be updating your mural anyway. You know? Yeah, uh, I don't know. it makes tons of sense to me. Here's the owner from... Uh, I'm not surprised people are mad, but it's just Twitter. He says, I've heard many complaints here in Nashville about Taylor being on the wall with country music legends since she is currently focused mainly on pop. Some inebriated bar hoppers have spit on her image specifically, feeling betrayed by her venture from country. I guess this, this is to be expected. But by and large, the people of Nashville love her, and so do I. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. 
Brad Paisley seems like we're I'm, Brad Paisley like not a huge star. I feel like. Oh yeah, big time. Is he still? Yeah. Good for him. All right, right before we leave, let's do some uh, some holiday hangovers, some stories that are Christmas ish themed, and I can't really cover again after the year's over. Huh. This one makes me sad. I hated this one. Uh, earlier this week, GoDaddy sent their you know GoDaddy the website company there. They sent their employees an email announcing a $650 holiday bonus. To ensure that, uh, the email essentially said that to ensure you receive your one-time bonus in time for the holidays, please select your location and fill in the details by Friday, December 18th. However, employees who opened the email found out that it was not a real email. It was actually a phishing test done by GoDaddy.com. So mm. if you open the website, you were forced to retake the company's security training. Mm. This is equivalent. This is essentially the jelly of the month club from Christmas vacation instead of your Christmas bonus. Yeah. What a dickhead move by the GoDaddy people. Like no, no idea. Like optics. They're like, yeah, this is fine. Just not really thinking it through. <laughs> uh, another Christmas story this week. Um, remember the monoliths that were popping up all over the place? Mm. A mysterious gingerbread monolith appeared in San Francisco on Christmas. This was published about a day ago. However, because of the elements, it only lasted a day and it crumbled into garbage. Makes sense. Food outside goes bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of cookies, uh, a court in Germany from this week is telling a German baker to stop making sawdust cookies, Fair. which he claims he's been making for about 20 years. I bet you have. Stop. <laughs> That's what we're saying. Uh, the court's deemed the ingredient as unfit for human consumption. Uh, consumption. The baker in question claims to have reached out to the city about the use and argued that he not he never heard back from the one from the city when he asked if he could make the sawdust cookies. Like, hey, I asked. Yeah. Uh, the ingredient has reportedly been listed on the packaging of his cookies. The baker also says he uses quote microbiological sawdust as a flour replacement. I don't care. Which he Stop. purchases from a Stop, natural sir. products retailer. He also adds that sawdust is a quote herbal product similar to bran. Unbelievable. Uh, and maybe the wildest Christmas story of the week. I don't even know where to start with it. I just, I'll read the headline. Police shut down Christmas mall kiosk after intoxicated Santa, Mrs. Claus, and Elf have threesome in public. Mm. Merry Christmas! <laughs> I don't even have a follow-up. <laughs> Sadly, this was not at the Sangertown Mall. It was in Ohio, I guess, so we couldn't get any local coverage on this. Another big energy segment. Like, folks, you do whatever you want to do. You know, consenting adults in the privacy of their own home. The privacy of their own home is look, really the key part of Look at these three folks, Stop. by the way. Look at these three. Stop it. Of course they... Can you tell which one's Santa? Is it the one with the beard? I can't tell. <laughs> this is this is cruel. This is cruel. <laughs> Newsbreak.com if you want to hear this one. Folks, all right. Uh, let's do a mailbag question and then get the hell out of here. Uh, all right. Simple mailbag question this week, but I like this one a lot. Kevin, mm. what time and day combination makes for the best nap? Mm. Time and day combination makes for the best nap. Uh, I'll give you one specifically for me. I like the post-soccer game Saturday afternoon nap, if I can get it. Watch Liverpool early in the day, have a bite to eat, maybe put on the second game, maybe a secondary game I don't care quite as much about, mm. and then take a nice long nap. Mm. Good times. Wake up, then miss a thing. 
<laughs> runner up is the early weekend morning nap that you take before you've even gotten out of bed. Mm-hmm. You're up for mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, taking like a little nap, you got nowhere to be, you know what I mean? A little classic nap, yep. Um, but for me, I would say the best nap is probably that nap that you take around three to four o'clock after you've been out in the mm-hmm. sun all day, had some beers, been splashing around, out, got a little bit too much sun, it took it out of you, you're tired, so you crash for about two hours, take a little nap, recharge, and wake up just in time to feel refreshed and eat dinner. Yes, very That's strong. That's the nap. I hate the nap where I wake up and it's now a different time of the day. Like, well, then you're gonna well, hate naps, bud. <laughs> no, I mean, like in terms of like you go to yeah, sleep and it's mean. light out, and then you wake up and it's dark. You're like, ah, what happened? The Sydney Prescott. How yeah, much yeah, did I miss? It happens in Scream. It does. She when she she falls asleep and she wakes up and it's like dusk. Yeah, it's super yeah. unsettling. I've had that happen to me before. Care not for that. Mm. Don't know how much of the day you've lost. Uh, I like a nap most. I used to take most of my naps though. By accident, when mm. I'd get home from work, that 3.30 to 4 mm. section where I'd sit in the couch yeah, yeah. and watch like Judge Judy for a minute, mm. and then I'd fall asleep Yeah, by accident. That's, that one's not because I liked it. That was just like a, uh, I'm, the body, I'm out of... The body takes you. <laughs> it's it's yeah, yeah, taking yeah. me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so as I mentioned this week for our Spotify mixtape, <laughs> mix it is just our top songs that were presented to us in our top 20, uh, the songs we listened to the most in 2020, essentially. And Spotify made these lists for all the people on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, you already have it. If not, eh, that's okay. You'd be all right, too. So I picked my five songs around there. The only one I guess I will highlight uh, is Vampire Weekend, Mm. Sunflower, which Mm. I remember is like one of the first things I listened to when I actually got Spotify and I finally bit the bullet and put the podcast on Spotify. Yeah, how do you feel now that you're up in here? Uh, I feel like I listened to a ton of music at the start of the year. Mm. And then as the year went on and things got busier, I think I listened to less music and more podcasts again. It's definitely nice to have all the music and all the podcasts on one place for a guy who consumes as much music and as much podcast as I do, right? Yeah. So that's been a nice change. Maybe the one, my biggest change in 2020 is really digging into Spotify. Mm. Uh, so there you go. So that's my track for this year. Kev, do you have a track you want to highlight? I know I haven't sent you the list yet. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now to see what I'm going to put on there. <laughs> um... No, tune in and find out. Tune in, secret track. All right. Tune in and find out. Uh, shout out to Heather. Yeah, I'm going to put Last Exit by Pearl Jam on there. Very good. Opening track off of Vitology. Super underrated Pearl Jam song. Love it. All right, folks. You can follow Heather Waz at HeatherWaz1 on Twitter. Shout out to her. She gave us some lovely Glenn Livet scotch. Yeah, thank very much you enjoyed. so much, Heather. If you if you listen to the show, if you hear us, uh, it was great. It was very tasty. It's always kind to be thought of in holiday times, and uh, we miss you. We'd love to have you back. All right, that's it, folks. You can catch us. We are on all sorts of platforms. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Apple Podcast. I guess I'm on Snapchat. Not that I ever use it for anything. Yes, is this, are you angling people to Snapchat you? Are you trying to get some Snap game going with the the users? Uh, But yeah, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Hive, SoundCloud. We are taking over the web sign our humanoids keep it tight woodstock lives the tape machines are rolling we are desperately out of time we will see you next year question mark for another episode of the uticast be safe folks 2020 it's at the end we made it we made it